Um, all right, so we're, we are in week six of Party of Twelve. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about how much we rely on the things that we can see? Um, I used to do this. I thought about doing this this morning, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to describe it to you. I used to, when I was a youth pastor, I would get kids, and I would I'd get a volunteer because, you know, I was like, I need a volunteer, and some kid would be like, me, it's always a seventh-grade boy. And so we'd put him at the very back of the room, and then we would turn the lights off and tell him to find his way to the front. You know, like with 100 kids in a room and chairs everywhere. And, you know, teenagers don't stand quietly. They're like elbowing, and it's just nuts, right? And it's amazing how once you take away sight, you realize how dependent we are on that. I heard of a preacher one time who was on, he was on the mission field, and he was preaching just like I'm doing right now, you know. And he was looking at the people, and he's, he's preaching his heart out. And all of a sudden, the power went out. And so a completely lit room went completely dark. But he was still, he still had to preach. And he, told, he talked about later how in that moment he realized how dependent he was on the faces of the people and seeing whether or not they liked what he was saying so he would have the courage to keep going. And he said, but what he learned when the power went out was the word of God is what's powerful, right? You start to realize, like, we might not be able to see everything, but what I want you to take away this morning is that the invisible is really, really important. Like, let's just talk about things that are really, really important that we can't see. Ready? Gravity. That's important. I don't mean to be crass, but body odor can have an impact. Can it not? You ever turn, and maybe I'm just saying this way because I was a youth pastor. You ever turn to, like, at camp? Just sweet, precious seventh or eighth grade boy who's just been playing outside in the summer. And then they came to the service that night and didn't do anything about that invisible thing that's really powerful. Right? Um, I don't know. Air? Oxygen? Oh, this is my favorite. Wi-Fi? Raise your hand if you've ever seen Wi-Fi. But oh, Landy, no, you're just messing with me now. But raise your hand if you've ever complained when Wi-Fi didn't work. Yeah. So what we what we can't see is important, right? It's it's, and that's what I want you to get this morning because we've been talking about these men that were following Jesus, and this morning we're going to talk about we're lumping three into one Sunday, and here's why: it's pretty much invisible. I mean, these are people that you rarely hear about. As a matter of fact, two of them, you, you kind of only hear about them when, when they list the disciples. And then one of them, you know, like if I say their name, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I know him. But you know him for the wrong thing. Like these are men that were faithful to God, lived their whole lives, and are remembered wrongly or not remembered at all by us. Right? But I want you to see this morning that um, Jesus remembers these men. And so does God. So let's just, let's just jump in. We're going to talk about James, Judas, not Iscariot, and Thomas. Yeah. Don't you love that? Yeah. All right, so let's talk with James. These are going to go fast, y'all. This could be the, or I might show my skill as a pastor and talk for 30 minutes about invisible people. People are like, if he could talk for 30 minutes about people that are barely mentioned in Scripture, what's he going to do with, like, Jesus? 
Hours and hours is what I have, but we'll do that another day. So here we go. Let's talk about James. James, just some things to know about him. He's, he's known as James the Less, James the Lesser. You might see him referred to as James the Younger. So that less means he was younger in age. Some think he might have been smaller in stature. Um, and I, I just want to point this out. This is not the same James that we talked about earlier, right? So we talked about James, son of Zebedee. Right, and this also, I just feel like I need to say this, also not the James that wrote the book of James. I'm, I'm just making sure I get that across. Like, I now know who wrote the book of James. Aren't you proud of me? Say, go, Pastor. Um, so, if you would to guess how much else we know about James from the Bible, you would guess nothing. We know absolutely nothing else about James. Just from the Bible. Now, from tradition, we know that he went and preached the gospel in Persia, which is modern-day Iran, and he was martyred there. James the Lesser. That was short, wasn't it? And he might have been short. Judas. Um, some people say that Judas, they call him the man with three names. He's called three names in the Bible. Um, but we're going to stick with J with Judas, son of James. Um not son of the James that we just talked about. Have you noticed there's a lot of the same names for a lot of people? So Judas, you might have a version that says Thaddeus. And I'm just thinking if I was named Thaddeus and had the choice to be called something else, I'd go with Judas or something besides Thaddeus. John 14, 12, he's called Judas. And then in parentheses, it says not Iscariot. And I just want to point this out to you. Sometimes we overlook the mercy of God. And that is a beautiful move of the mercy of God. That, that the Holy Spirit would move on the writers of the gospel to make sure that they identify forever to come that this Judas is not that Judas. You ever been mis um, you ever um, mistaken somebody for somebody else? I think I've told you all this before, but um, it's such a horrifying moment in my life. I'll share it again. Wendy and I went to help her mom with a wedding because her mom used to, used to cater weddings. And so it was a long day. You know, you're, you're carrying plates out and putting out food and you're washing dishes. And by the end of the day, you're just, you're just beat. And I remember I was, I, was, I was in the kitchen, and I looked up, and I, and I saw Wendy on the, she was like on the phone. And this was, this was a long time ago, y'all. This is back when, like, you could pull the thing off the wall and then, like, get caught up in the cord that went with, like, you know, that thing. And she was talking on the phone, and I walked up. Like, I just wanted to hug my wife. I walked up, and I, I did this. I, I put my arms around her like I was going to grab her by the waist and pull her in close. And I realized it wasn't Wendy. And I backed away really quickly, and like, I don't know how it worked out, but that woman never even knew I was there, but I was this close to squeezing and hugging some woman that I did not know, right? It's crazy. Like, you can mistake people for, like, I know I've told you this story about this, this children's pastor at one of the churches and that I worked at, and he talked about a prayer meeting in, in a home, and he was sitting on the couch, and they asked him to pray. And so he started praying. It's Pentecostal church. He's into it. He's praying. He's just going for it, and he's rubbing his wife's leg the whole time. And then he realized it was his, his pastor's wife's leg the whole time. And, I mean, it's just like, like this stuff happens, right? And so would you just think for, for a second about how merciful God is? 
that he would actually record for all time. I mean, if I'm Judas, not Iscariot, I'm so glad that he included not Iscariot, right? I'm like, huh, I'm Judas. I'm not that Judas. And he didn't have to say it because the Holy Spirit said it for him. And I love that. I love that. Like, we, we can get mistaken by people, but we're not going to be mistaken by God. He sees us. He knows us. Many people think that Judas was a gentleman. Um, that his only words in Scripture are recorded in John 14, 22. And he asked Jesus, I love this, why are you only going to reveal yourself to us and not to the whole world? Isn't that a beautiful question? One, he had the courage to ask Jesus that. But then he's like, Jesus, you're so good. Why are you only going to reveal this to us? Why not reveal it to the whole world? He had a heart of compassion. It's clear from tradition that Judas took Jesus' answer to heart. Jesus said, look, I am here to reveal myself to everybody, and those that love me will obey me. And so guess what this Judas did? He obeyed Jesus. He heard the call to go, and so he went and planted a church in what today is Turkey. And I was reading these history books, and here's what it says, literally word for word. And was either clubbed or axed to death or crucified. It's like, none of those are good. I mean, pick one, right? Either way, man, he loved Jesus enough to be obedient and to be marked by that obedience. So James the Lesser and then Judas, not Iscariot, these are two men who are basically mentioned one time in Scripture and never again. And then we get to the third person. His name is Thomas. Um, which if, if um, he's not invisible, right, because I think we've all heard of Thomas, and he's probably more popularly known as what? Doubting Thomas, right? I'm sorry, Thomas. She's pointing you out. Yeah, she's calling you out. Now, your dad is bigger than me, so I'm not going to say doubting Thomas, right? I'm going to say the man. He's known for, he's known, and we know him as Doubting Thomas, because, and if you'll turn to this passage of Scripture, this is where we'll be, John chapter 21. I want to read to you how he got that nickname. John chapter 21, I think this is right, or maybe I'm, hold on, go back to John chapter 20, my bad. I promise you I'll find it. All right, so. Verse 19 says this, When it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. By the way, in case you ever feel bad about being um, not full of faith, these are the men who followed Jesus for three years. This is after the crucifixion, and they're hiding behind locked doors because they're afraid of the Jews. And Jesus came, <laughs> stood among them. He just appeared, and he said, Peace be with you. I'm not even preaching on this, but can I just point out the obvious? When you're in a room and somebody just either appears or walks through the wall, and their first words are peace be with you, like don't overlook that, right? Because there's no way they're peaceful at that moment, right? God, he sees us. He knows right where we are. Let's keep going. He says, having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. They recognized him because of those Wounds. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. 
After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, called twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. Side note, not trying to make people feel bad. I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. You, cannot, you miss out on stuff when you don't show up. Okay, well, that didn't get quite the response I was expecting, but it's still true. You don't want to hear secondhand about what God does when he shows up, y'all. Okay? So the other disciples were telling him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand, whole hand, into his side, I will never believe. Right? A few weeks later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, again, I'm, just, I'm trying not to hammer this, but I want you to have the freedom to be human. They're behind locked doors again, y'all. Who have they already seen? They recognize he's risen, and he's not even invited. I mean, we make people feel, feel so bad for having doubts and fears and Maybe like you didn't have your quiet time for 700 days in a row. These are, these are the disciples who followed Jesus. This isn't even the, the point of the message, but please get it. They followed him for three years. They know who he said he was, and now they've already seen the wounds. Like just a week earlier, he showed up in the room through the wall. However, he did that. Whoa, Jesus is here. And they were convinced. Like they told Thomas, we've seen the Lord. And now here we are one week later, and those same cats are behind locked doors again. And Jesus shows up again and does not make them feel bad about it. He says, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. And look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. I mean, I don't know. I tell y'all that we read the weird out of the Bible all the time. But when's the last time Jesus showed up in your quiet time and was like, here, just stick your hand in my side? Y'all didn't even picture it like that, did you? Because we've been so conditioned just to read the words. He, like, basically said, take your whole hand and thrust it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. And Thomas responded to him by saying, my Lord and my God. Translate that for today. He's my Savior and my Lord. Christians today would be wise to realize he has to be both. And Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. He doubted because he couldn't see. And what I want you to know is that Jesus didn't shame him for that, right? What he did was he showed him the evidence. He's like, just, just touch my hand. Here, put your, put your whole fist in. I mean, if you get your whole body inside, do it. I mean, examine me as much as you need to examine me, but I'm here and I'm real and I'm the risen king. And I'm going to meet you where you are. And, and, hey, now you're blessed because you've seen, but how much more are those who are blessed who haven't seen? Raise your hands if you've never seen physical Jesus. Okay, that was not even a trick question, y'all. 
If there was ever a question you could feel good about the answer, that was it. Raise your hand higher if you've never seen physical Jesus. You're blessed. You're blessed even more than Thomas because you've believed and you haven't seen. Uh, way back in the day, Phil and I went out to Missouri to, like, look at this youth center. I don't know if you remember this or not, but we were walking in, and they had a plaque on the outside, and it had a whole bunch of names and basically, I'm going to mess this up, but the words were something like, um, this building is dedicated to these people who gave without having ever seen. Something like that, right? And I just was, it's so impactful. Like, we put so much stock in what we see, and I get it, right? But it's what's unseen that Jesus says is important. Are we willing to believe even when we can't see? So this morning, here's what I want to do as we wrap this thing up. Uh, whether you feel invisible or you feel like the evidence you need is invisible. Do you see the way these things go together? So James the lesser and Judas, not Iscariot, they're kind of invisible people, aren't they? Like, I mean, you're not going to pick up version and find a 21-day reading plan based on the life of James the lesser. You might find one for Peter. So these two are invisible. But then when you come to Thomas, the thing that he needed, the evidence that he needed was invisible. He went a whole week not knowing if Jesus was really risen. So I don't know where you are, right? I don't know how the invisible thing hits you, whether you're the one who feels invisible or you feel like evidence is invisible. I want to remind you that you serve a God who sees us and a God who reveals himself to us. This is huge. Now, can I um, just, can I take a quick risk of some brave communication? Can I do that? That silence was so not encouraging. I, I struggle with feeling invisible. I mean, like, stuff will hit me like I sent a text and I haven't heard anything back for 30 seconds, right? And it's like, or for an hour or for whatever, and I'm just like, and then I'll just send another text to another person and not hear back, and then another person and not hear back. You know where this is headed, right? And so you spend a couple hours going like, what, did I fall off the planet? And then you, you just get in your car and drive somewhere that has better signal, and you get like 20 responses, right? But it's, it's what happens in between the sending and the receiving, Man, and we are so addicted as a society to being seen, y'all. How many people liked what I just posted, right? But I, that's something I really wrestle with. And maybe you're the same way. And what you've got to know is that we serve a God who sees us. And we have to trust that he sees us even though we can't see him seeing us. Does that make sense? No, it's really confusing, right? Like, it'd be one thing, like, if I can see Lainey looking at me, like, I know she's looking at me, like, hey, Lainey, I can see her looking at me, and that's awesome. But I can't see God looking at me. So even that's unseen. And we have to choose to trust that. And I want to encourage you this morning to do that, to just trust that even though you might feel invisible, God sees you.
Hey, will you do me a favor? Will you turn to Revelation 21, 14? And we'll just, we'll close with this. Do you want to play something? Or do you, you, what do you want? You want to? You want to come play evidence? I'm messing with you. I'm totally messing with you. We could just play it back there. But you you want to come play? Come play. We'll do something. I mean, we've got you here and you're so good. Revelation 21, 14. That was such a powerful segue, wasn't it? You would think I would be better at that stuff. I do preach quite a bit, and I'm, and yet I'm not. <laughs> All right, so here we go. I want you to see the Revelation 21, 14. Here's what it says. John is getting the revelation about, you know, heaven and the end times and all that. And it says the city wall, this is the new city, the new Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth. The city wall had 12 foundations. Anybody want to take a guess who each of those foundations were for? Mm -hmm. And the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb were on the what? Foundations. Ooh, we should do Build My Life. Is that what you're playing? Dude, you're awesome. Guess whose names are there? James the Lesser and Judas, not Iscariot. Now, Judas Iscariot's name's not there. We'll talk about that next week. But the two men that we just talked about today who were basically invisible in Scripture... Their names are inscribed on the foundation of the city that we're going to live in forever. You telling me God doesn't see invisible people? Man, He sees you. He sees me. And He calls us to be just faithful. And then Thomas, who doubted the actual risen Christ, his name is there. And, and oh, and check this out. Back when we were reading about Thomas, and Jesus said, hey, you're blessed because you've seen, but more blessed are those who haven't seen. Do you know how I used to read that? I used to read that like Jesus said, hey, Thomas, you're blessed. But these other people over here, these other ten at that point, they're more blessed because they, they believe without seeing. He's not even talking about them, y'all. They didn't believe without seeing either. He had to appear to them and didn't he have to show them his, his side, his hands and his side. And it says that then they said, oh, this is the Lord. He's talking about us. We're the ones that are more blessed because we have not seen. And all we can do is see the evidence, right? And I can, you're never going to hear Josh Baldwin's song any different, any, the same again because we see the evidence of him everywhere we look if we're looking for it. And when we see the evidence of him and his faithfulness and how he sees us, is it the proper response God, I will build my life upon your love. It's a firm foundation. And that's what these men did. And, and there we see it recorded right there for the rest of time. Every time. I don't know what it's going to be like in heaven. I don't know, like, what chapel services are going to be like or, like, you know. But I'm assuming at some point we'll walk past these names and we'll see them. Right? Man, I love that. Now, I can't guarantee you that you'll have a name written on the foundations. I think those spots are taken. But I can guarantee you this, that he sees you. He sees you. He's El Roy, right? He's the God who sees me and you and you and you. 
And in heaven, the God who sees us is going to hand us a white stone. And guess what's going to be on that stone? A name that is invisible. No one knows what it is. We don't even know what it's going to be. I don't know. I'm hoping for something like Brad Pitt. I don't know, man. It'd be awesome. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows, right? The rock. Just give me the rock, right? I think that's Peter's. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. He's going to give you a name. And all these things are things that we can't even see yet, right? Way more important than Wi-Fi. Way more important. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, we have a few minutes left before we ask you to leave so we can spray the chairs, right? But before we do that, man, I'm just going to ask you to, can you just make an altar where you are? And, and I'm just going to get Zach to lead us through that course. Just a little bit of, of build my life. And can I just encourage you right now to say to God things like, thank you, Lord, that you see me. God, I'll just, I'll be the one that prays it. I've already been vulnerable and people think I'm crazy because, like, I struggle with feeling invisible. But, God, like, on the days that it literally feels like I stepped off the planet and no one noticed. You did. You see me. And I'm not the only one in this room that can feel like that from time to time. You see us, God. Help us to learn the lesson of James and Judas and Thomas that what's invisible is really important. Whether it's people, whether it's evidence, whether it's the, the faith that we put into you, even though we can't see you. And today we make a decision to build our lives on that foundation because it is strong and you are able. Yeah. You just make this your prayer as Zach leads us. Come on, y'all. Let's stand up and sing that part. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my 
I just want to pray over you that you would be courageous and that you would be faithful and that you would live your life for an audience of one. Because that's what these men did. And when we're set free to just live for Jesus, it's amazing what he can do through us. So, Father, right now, what I'm asking, God, what I'm praying for over my friends here in this service is that we would walk out of this room more committed than we've ever been to living our lives before you. Not before social media, not before the people that we work with. I mean, I know the witness is important, but it all flows out of that audience of one. And I just pray, God, that we would find ourselves worried less about our names being remembered and concerned more with making your name famous. And I know, God, when we do that, you will see us. You will reward us. And we're just going to throw it all back to you because you're the only one that's worthy. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do through us this week. I pray for divine encounters with people who need the hope of Jesus and that you would find in us people that are willing to open our mouths and speak the truth of who you are and how much you love them. And we're going to meet people who feel invisible today, God. And I pray that you would use us to call them out so that they can feel the love of a God who sees them right where they are and doesn't shame them for having questions or having doubts or even wishing that they could be seen. They, they want to know a God. We want to introduce them to you, a God who sees them right where they are and loves them in that place. Use us this week to change people, we pray. In your name, Lord. Amen.